the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology, out of the ivory tower and back into the hands of the invisible church. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Today we're going to be talking about the antinomy of doing justly and loving mercy. It is against my policy to recommend tattoos. From what I have seen, most every tattoo that was applied in youth has come to be regretted in adulthood. People get tattoos to display things they believe in, things they find interesting, things they find exciting or cool. But those things change every decade. Would you trust yourself 10 years ago to give yourself a tattoo that you would be happy with now based on what you were going through at the time? I think most people would not. I should say that I don't think tattoos are sinful and I don't think every tattoo is stupid. Have you seen Bill Evans' tattoos? Some are pretty neat. I personally think that tattoo sleeves are cool. The problem I have with tattoos is that the majority of them define who you were, not who you are. For example, that friend you lost that you were close with as a child, it's 15 years later, and you have moved on. That song lyric that helped you get through a breakup in high school, you're married now to the love of your life that you met in college. How about that ankle tattoo of your favorite Bible verse, Jeremiah 29.11? Oh yeah, that one. Now your favorite Bible verse is Jeremiah 29.12. Tattoos usually are permanent marks of temporary fancy. This is really just a roundabout way of saying that my current favorite Bible verse is Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It is a real possibility that as different challenges arise in my life, other verses and passages in Scripture might speak to me or help me more than this one. But the reason I like this one so much is because it strips the Christian of all the pomp and circumstance that he amasses in his life and calls him to three things, justice, mercy, and humility. But I had often wondered about two of those three callings, namely justice and mercy. The question I had was, how can one do justly and love mercy at the same time? Is not to seek justice to deny mercy? Is not to show mercy to deny justice? How can these two be in the same verse? This is an apparent contradiction known as an antinomy. I say apparent because it looks like a contradiction, but in reality it is not. There are several of these in Scripture, the most famous being the antinomy of free will and God's sovereignty. The antinomy is represented and understood only in light of American society, however. In Old Testament Israel, the verse makes a lot more sense. It does not make sense in America because of our status mindset. If I were to do justly, then I would be showing no mercy and vice versa. We have been taught to think this way because we have surrendered the realm of justice and mercy to godless pagans who understand neither. They have created a culture in which a Christian cannot follow this verse effectively without breaching the existing humanist laws. By doing so, they have redefined justice and mercy according to their own made-up standards, forsaking God's standards in the process. The result is a country in which neither justice nor mercy is effectively given. But under God's civil code, doing justly and showing mercy are possible. It is the only system in existence in which these two principles can coexist in perfect harmony. Let's have a look-see at how this is possible. Remember that in God's system, the wheels of justice are primarily in the hands of the populace, not in the hands of the state like it is today. God did not authorize an official government body to go out through Israel to look for crimes and illegal activity. There is no executive branch in the law of God because God gives the responsibility of justice to you and me. We can't pay someone else to take care of it. We must seek it ourselves. 
As a result, the process of seeking justice is initiated and completed by the citizens, not the state. God has authorized a judicial branch to make justice available so that it is readily accessible in times of need. But it is up to the citizen to start and finish the work of justice. We see this in Leviticus 24. Quote, now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp, and the woman's and the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the named and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelomith, the daughter of Debri, of the tribe of Dan. And they put him into custody till the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring Bring out of the camp the one who cursed, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. See here that God charges the citizens of Israel to see the work of justice through, not Moses. There was no executioner, no lawyer, only a judge and a fair trial with witnesses, just as the law of God requires. Since the responsibility of justice lies primarily in the hands of the populace and not the state, the option to show mercy is also given to them. If a crime is committed in witness, the witness or witnesses don't necessarily have to report or prosecute it instantly. Mercy here is an elective. There is room for confrontation, rebuke, repentance, and forgiveness, all without the civil magistrate getting involved. This is the only system of crime and punishment in which this is possible. And of course, it was given by God. There are four exceptions in the Old Testament in which God commands that your eye should have no pity. When someone close to you, like a relation or best friend, entices you to idolatry. When someone commits murder and tries to get into a city of refuge. When carrying out a sentence against a perjurer. And when cutting off a woman's hand because of her indecent attack on a man. If we were to enforce these laws, and as an aside, I am completely open to debate on the legitimacy of some of their enforcement in modern society, for or against, then I would argue that to show mercy in these cases would be a sin. But for the most part, God has allowed and even encouraged mercy above justice. James 2.13 says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Was not Christ's sacrifice for us the greatest demonstration in the history of the world of showing mercy and doing justly at the same time? But we still see more examples of others who have done so. Take, for example, the law about betrothed virgins in Deuteronomy 22. Quote, If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. Consider the case of Joseph. He could have decided to prosecute Mary, his betrothed. Mary was perfectly liable to the condemnation of Joseph. But see what he did? In Matthew, it says, quote, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, unquote. He was a just man, but he resolved to divorce her quietly. This is mercy and justice at the same time, since God has allowed it in his law. Friends, God desires mercy, 
He also desires for us to seek justice. But if we forsake his way, we embrace the mercy of the wicked, which is cruelty. In God, there is both mercy and justice working together for the good of his people and mankind. In man, there is neither. Justice and mercy. Maybe I'll get a tattoo of that. When doing my research for this podcast, I came across an organization called justiceandmercy.org. Really briefly, it's uh, Justice and Mercy is a registered nonprofit 501c3 organization dedicated to decreasing the effects of crime in our communities, increasing public safety, and ministering to and restoring both crime victims and offenders. When I went to the About page, I saw a quote from the founder of justiceandmercy.org uh, named Dr. Tom Zeger. He says this when after quoting... Uh, Micah 6, 8, to do justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with God. He said, these verses require action. If we do what is right, we will be blessed in ourselves, in our families, and in our nation. With your help, we can work together to accomplish the will of God and the vision of like-minded people to change public policy to one that is more restorative and productive, thereby creating safer communities. Thank you for getting involved. The problem there. With that is when he says more restorative and productive. Friends, this is not the aim of biblical justice. We don't aim for a more restorative and productive public policy. That is just more restorative and productive by comparison. God's law is the first and final authority on what is justice and how to punish criminals. In Proverbs it says, The righteous man has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Only God's system allows mercy and justice. All other systems are hatred and cruelty. Be strong and courageous, my friends. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.